Greenwich. We What'd you say? New Greenwich. That's what it's called. Greenwich? This is Maui Wowie. Um, so <laughs> My favorite movie is that I can't decide on a favorite movie. Press next podcast. Hey, I'm Katie. And I am Knuff. This is Corey. <laughs> You've been waiting to say that, huh? No, that just came to my brain. Uh, it's your co-host, Corey, and this is the Press Next Podcast. You feel me? It's the Press Next Podcast, and we are so happy to have you back with us this week. Um, it was a big week. Very big Y'all week. Y'all already know what we're going to talk about. Barbie and Oppenheimer, or known as... Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. It was a weekend. It was a weekend. It was a moment. I don't even want to get into, because I feel like there's so much that we can talk to, I'm going to skip to other parts and stuff like that. About what you've been watching? Yeah, what you've been watching, what's been coming out. I've been watching Love Island, babes. Exactly. But if you are new here, we're a podcast. We talk about movies, documentaries, TV shows, uh, you know, how they like apply in real life. But sometimes we just talk about them, review them and things of that nature. Um, if you have always been here, welcome back. And you know we stand in with the uh, Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild of America. So shout out to SAG. Shout out to WGA. Let's hope that the strike ends soon so that we can get top tier cinema like we got this weekend. Like we got this weekend. OMG. Now, granted, we are a minute and a half into this podcast episode. And ladies, ladies, and gents, if you have not seen these movies, they finna be spoiled. So I would suggest you, if you have not seen the movie, go watch the movie and then come back and watch, listen to this episode. I think we have a lot to talk about. Um, I think there's going to be some great breakdown between specifically when we come to when it comes to Barbie. I think I have a lot to talk about just from the male perspective and you have a lot to talk about from the female's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you don't want that to be spoiled, Please hit pause. You can always come back and listen to this. If you don't care or if you saw it, boy, do we have an episode for you. It was just such a fun weekend. Like very weekend. Very weekend. Very fun. (laughs) Everyone being excited about Mm -hmm. what's in the. It just felt like such a community. Yes. And everybody showing up to the theater wearing pink mm-hmm. or black. Guy, guys dressing as kin, like buying merch and getting the box. And yes. 200,000 Americans bought double feature tickets. 200,000. 200,000. So people were in the theaters for five hours on this weekend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's, I don't know about y'all. We love movies, we love film entertainment. So from and me specifically, like super duper, mm-hmm. I guess Katie's more of a casual fan. And I mm-hmm. love that about her, but I'm such a cinephile. I don't know. It kind of was like there was a moment at the end of the night where I was like, man, look, look what you could do with telling a story. Yeah. Look how many people you can bring together mm-hmm. and look what type of moment you can create by just making a film. It was a moment for sure. A huge moment. A moment we'll never forget. Um, and it'll be cool. At some point, there will be a Barbie and, and uh, Oppenheimer again moment, but they don't come often. Like, I can't remember the last time that it was, like, truly like this. Like, of course, there's movies that kind of play against each other. Yeah. But this was perfectly cross-marketed. This was yeah. Huge. This was the fourth biggest release, theatrical release ever. I think the last time we had something like this was The Dark Knight Rises and Mamma Mia. True. I can, but, I can see that. 
But I didn't see Mama Mia though. And maybe I was too young to like feel the excitement of that because I knew Mama Mia wasn't for me. Right, right. Uh, and I think that just like Barbie has taken over so much marketing stuff. Like oh, yeah. every brand has something with Barbie right now. For sure. For sure. I mean, it's classic. It's a it's a brand itself and it's been a brand for forever. Right. And everybody knows Barbie. Exactly. Yeah. And then I think Oppenheimer's budget, they say they spend 100 mil on marketing. 100 mil. 100 mil. They spent 100 mil on marketing. Oppenheimer did? Yeah. So I was I feel reading like I her, didn't even see that much like oh, I marketing. Saw a lot, but I, I, it was cross marketed with Barbie. So almost every time you saw Barbie marketing, you were going to see Oppenheimer mm, marketing. Yeah. In some for, uh, way, form, or fashion. So. I was looking up Oppenheimer's budget, and that's when I was looking up how much they spent and how they broke it down. It's pretty cool, uh, but they yeah they said they spent like a hundred million on marketing. Yeah, let's get into numbers if you want. Yeah, we can do that for sure. So I said earlier that um, that this was the fourth biggest theatrical release for uh, a weekend. Um, do you want to know what the first is? I think everybody knows this. Yeah, Endgame. It's Endgame. Endgame yeah. is the first. That was a moment moment for sure. And it was like a the weird part about Endgame was that it was like a mourning. You know what I'm saying? Like we all went to the theaters to mourn and Marvel and we knew it was kind of the it was end like of the an era. End of an era, yeah. That's and what I was gonna say. Exactly. Cause this this phase of Marvel for a lot of people hasn't really been hitting. I still enjoy it. I this think, newer phase. Yes. Yeah. Uh but everything post Endgame has been for the casual fan, kind of like you know, fair weather or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but for everybody who was casual and who was in it, who grew up with that, uh, with those phases, it was huge. It was the end of that. And everybody knew that. So it was just like, there's no way that wasn't going to be the biggest theatrical right. weekend. Right. So shout out to Avengers Endgame. But if we look at the domestic chart for this weekend, so box office domestically, what, what happened in the United States, Barbie cleared. And I mean, cleared. Because mm-hmm. they made over 150, really over 160 million dollars, and the next movie was Oppenheimer, which made over 80 million dollars. And is this in the first weekend? Yes, is this, this is, in the first day. This is opening this... weekend, so Thursday to Sunday. And is this just United States? That's just domestically, just okay. United States. So I'm sure tomorrow there will be more numbers that roll out about the opening weekend domestically and internationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are going to clear their budget. They're going to make profit off of these films because the best part about both films that released this weekend uh, was that it's the word of mouth is going to go crazy. Yeah. So the marketing that they already did paid off. And then everybody who saw it is going to it's about to be FOMO, right? Like Mm -hmm. I saw it. And I'm going to tell you that I saw it. And I'm going to tell you how great it was. And then you're going to be like, damn, I need to go see it so I can be a part of these And like all the memes. And- exactly. <laughs> and all the TikTok videos and everything else. Uh, Sound of Freedom came in third. A Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning uh, came in fourth. It was number one last week. Um, you know what's tough about The Sound of Freedom? What? So I've actually talked to some people about the movie itself. And there's a lot of people who say it's actually like a pretty good film. Mm-hmm. They, they they say it's not like great cinema, but like the storyline is good. The purpose of it is good. It's actually like a good film. But I think that it's been politicized, politicized and co-opted that it turns a lot of people off to see it. So that typically means it could actually be a bigger film if it wasn't. Right. Right. So and not to get political here, but this goes for anybody. If you make something too far left, the right won't want to go see it. And if you make something too far right, the left won't want to go see it, which means that. And then what, what do we say? Right. The left is they're going to say, well, the people who need to see it is the right. 
but they're not going to see it because you made too far. And if you're too far on the right, they're going to say the left is who needs to see this, but they're not going to go see it because you made it too far right. So you got to really find the... it's. If you politically charged, you just should not co-opt the movie because it's not actually going to work out in your favor. So, But the thing about The Sound of Freedom is that I never even heard about it until I saw people complaining. About like, oh, they the Cut AC isn't AC, working. Right. Da, 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 da. And that happens so often. Like, I've been in movie theaters where I remember the like the first Puss in Boots like a long time ago mm-hmm. that came out. I was in Stephenville and the Stephenville movie theaters are um, shout out to Stephenville. That was like Cinema 6 or whatever. But the theater always had issues. Like, it stayed having issues. We were watching Puss in Boots. I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you this story. We go there. We get our popcorn or everything, right? And this is back when the previews were like maybe 10 minutes and now they're like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got to the previews and Puss in Boots just like wouldn't start. And it kept like starting up and then it kept like winding down. It kept starting up and it kept winding down. Oh, we were like, no. oh, oh. And then finally they come in and oh no, we start like kind of like going back. Like everybody's starting to leave. Mm -hmm. And as we're walking out, it comes back on. So we all run back to our seats to sit down. And then it goes off again. They come in and they're like, "Um, yeah, Puss in Boots is, we're not going to be able to show this. There's something wrong with the Mm -hmm. projector, yada, yada, yada. And this lady, she goes outside. So as I walk outside, she's at the front desk and she is just yelling at the Over worker Puss in boots no 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 no. because she ate the popcorn and wasn't able to watch the movie so she wanted a refund on her popcorn on her large popcorn she's going off that she ate yeah that she i didn't get to see the movie and i had the popcorn so i need a refund on my popcorn because who wants to just eat popcorn without watching the movie that's basically the premise of her argument right she was going wild and she's talking to the manager and the manager is literally about to and you asked my friends that was there the manager is literally about to give her money and I was like, bro, no. That's not how it works around here, ma'am. You bought it and ate it. Whether you watched the movie or not, you ate it. Stop being ridiculous. Now, why did you do that? That lady was about to get her money back. No, because that's <clears throat> ridiculous, okay? That's not a finesse. A finesse would have been getting more movie tickets because you didn't get to see Puss in Boots. You eating popcorn, going back, wanting a refund for the popcorn because you ate and get, didn't get to see the movie. First off, you ate in the previews. So, <laughs> so was you trying to go get a refund then? Anyway, my point is that mess-ups happen in theaters all the time. Yeah. Uh, and typically, they're going to you know, let you get a refund or come back a later time to see mm-hmm. it or whatever. Uh, but yeah, Sound of Freedom was third this week. Uh, Barben, uh, Barbenheimer. Barbie was number one in the box office. And ah, Mr. Christopher Nolan was number two and that's just back to the thing whether it is propaganda or not it's just like i haven't seen anything about it i only know what it's about because of social media Mm -hmm. and that's what's wild to me but sometimes those are the best movies right like sometimes those are the ones that win the awards like they didn't there was no marketing that came out and then before you know it social media is talking about this film and then you're like, I didn't go see it. You see it. It's incredible. Yeah. True. Those are some of the best projects. That's true. So The Sound of Freedom may be a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'll watch it. Uh, but just, you know, I feel like it got kind of co-opted. And maybe they're cutting out a certain sec because it has been. But it ain't going to stop me from seeing it because I'm going to see any kind of film unless it's really ridiculous. Right. Uh, speaking of, holy moly donut shop. At the beginning of Oppenheimer in the previews, they showed a preview for The New Exorcist. It looks so scary. <laughs> it was a scary. I'm, I don't feel. Like, I don't know about you, 
Because you know we like scary movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but it, this was definitely the scariest preview I've ever seen. Like trailer? Like yeah. trailer. And I think it was just the way their faces were changing. Oh, it was more. It was just, it was very sinister. Yeah, and very sinister. It just made, it set, it set uneasy on my soul. Facts. Very fast. Facts. Very fast. And right before Oppenheimer, I was like, come on, son. Uh, come, on, come, on, come on, son. But anyway, let's let's get to it, okay? Which one do you want to talk about first? Because I'm excited to talk about. We want to talk about Barbie. We let's, okay, yeah. So we did a double feature. This yes, is my did. first ever double feature. I've never been to two movies oh, in one day. Oh, <laughs> glad to have uh, been with you to experience this. It was a great day. Let me just tell you all about our day. So woke up, went to the gym, started it off great. You went to. I ain't driven. I ain't go to the gym. Uh, I hopped on that game. Okay, I went to the gym, <laughs> came home, showered, washed my hair. So, you know, we're starting off fresh. We go to watch. Oh, and I made a T-shirt. I made a Barmanheimer T-shirt. You did. It was so fly. I was wearing. And it was almost like the the right color of pink to not get you sued. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it wasn't a uh, Barbie pink, but it was close. Right. It was like the perfect Barbenheimer shirt. So we go and watch Barbie first mm-hmm. at 120 and we got some popcorn, got some candy, got a large icy. Because you always going to wreck with the icy. And um, then we watched Barbie. Wait, we got a medium one for free too. We did get a medium one for free because they gave us the wrong size. And he was like, oh, just keep that. I'll get you another one. I was like, oh, so sweet. We're starting off great. Mm-hmm. So then we watched Barbie and then we went to go eat chilies with our friends and get some appetizers and some drinks. And then we went to this place that had a Christmas in July pop up. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And we had, we went to a Christmas bar and got some more drinks. So much fun. It was like all of my favorite things in one day, you know, chilies. Friends, (laughs) movies, chilies and their egg rolls. Christmas. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Popcorn. Working out. Um, and then we saw Oppenheimer at 6.45, and it was a three-hour movie, you know, lasted until about... 10. It was about 10. Yeah. So, um, it was overall a really good day, but let's start with Barbie since we watched Barbie first. For sure. For sure. Okay. Uh, if I have to give this a rating, and this these are no-cap ratings, I'll go out of 100 so it's easier. Um, both of these, Barbie's for sure is 95 plus for me. Okay. 95 plus, and I'll tell you why. Off of, and we'll deep dive later once you give your score. Off of the strength, it was visually stunning. It was. It was well acted. It was great, greatly written. It was funny. It was dramatic. It was just a great film. Yeah. So 95 plus. I don't know where I put it on the plus, but it's definitely 95 plus. Yeah. I'll see it again. For sure. It has really good watch rewatchability. Um, I think I'd give it like a 96. Okay. Out of 100. For all the reasons you said, I think the... Um, There's two things i probably knock it for. Go ahead. You go. The... The... Um, gosh, what is it called? The, the stage, the... Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe I'm, I'm trying to help you right give now. me more uh, context. I know. Please. Like the... Um, the buildings and the... The set. The set. Yes. Oh, my The set gosh. design was incredible. I'm so sorry. The set design was so good. Everything looked plastic. Yeah, and it, it, I don't think they it, used CGI. It I think, really yeah. looked like a Barbie house. Mm-hmm. Like a bar, like the water, you know, on the ground where it looks like a pool, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It all looked so, so good. 
So I loved that. I loved the actresses and the actors in it. I think they did a really good job casting. Yeah, they did. Um, Issa Rae for president any day. Any day. I'll take that any day. <laughs> um, and then just like the message behind it was just so impactful for so many generations. And I think we'll get into that. But I just, there were so many times I was watching it like, I love being a woman. Oh, I love that for you. I think my experience, I think, was different, would have been different if I went to go see it by myself okay. versus going to see it with you and Gretch and Kev and we were around a bunch of women and I feel like it changed my experience for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's only two things that I, that I knock it for. Okay. Literally only two. One is... I think they overdid the one of the musical pieces. Like the the last like Ken music thing. I'm just Ken. Yeah, I think they overdid that a little bit. But that's just me. So these these are my opinions and you may feel completely different and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then I think uh, um stereotypical Barbie's moment with the creator at the end when she was like I just want to be a human. Something about that didn't feel authentic the rest of the movie felt so authentic and that part felt it didn't feel authentic it felt different to me yeah i don't know why i can't pinpoint why i think i would have to watch it again maybe i think i know why but i'm not sure okay so um basically oh and i have a small small little thing with the monologue okay what small little thing with the monologue but everything else was perfect all right so if if y'all don't know, there's huge talk about the, the monologue that took place in the movie, mm-hmm. right? And do you want to explain a little bit about what the monologue was about or what was going on? Yeah, basically it was Barbie feeling like she wasn't good enough. Yes. And America Ferreira's character was like, I'm so sick of this. Like, you are good enough. You mm-hmm. are smart enough. You are pretty enough. And then she goes on this monologue about how women... How hard it is to be a woman. How hard it is to be a woman. Like, we are supposed to be thin but not too thin because then if we're too thin then we have a problem but we're supposed to want to be healthy not thin but while we're healthy we're supposed to look thin and then like we're supposed to be leaders but we can't squash people's ideas we are supposed to be this but we can't be this and it's like you like society wants women to be one thing but if you're too much of that thing then you're bad or then it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like you're supposed to be confident, but you can't be too confident. Like just, and it's a very long monologue about it, but, right. but it was at a, it was at such a peak of the movie that it was very powerful moment. Um, and you can tell in the theater, it was that powerful. Cause it was like dead silent. Yeah. And in talking to some friends today, they're like, this is the part they cried on, you know? Like, yeah. This is the thing that made them tear up. And I was like, that's, that's not why I mean it's not wild to say like oh you're it's wild in the sense that like I'm not a woman so it didn't hit me like that mm-hmm. but I I recognize the gravity of the monologue right right now I wish they didn't make it a part of of the plan to get back Barbie land because then it changed the tone of the monologue so basically remember they're trying to get back Barbie land from uh, Ken and their plan is to remind everybody who they are. Mm-hmm. 
And they're going to do it by using this monologue because it reminded somebody else of who they were. And they snapped out of it, right? They're like in a trance and they end up snapping out once they hear the monologue. But then the rest, after that, the plan goes into action and it's kind of like goofy, right? Like right. It, everything's goofy. And then you get like little clips. And I like the the fact that they still kind of changed up the words to the monologue when they were, when she mm-hmm. would say it to like newer people. But then it, to me, it just took away a little bit of the gravity of the monologue. Then it got too, a little too cheesy because the tone became a little bit cheesy. Right. So I wish they would have just acted on it. Keep, keep the tone of the monologue and the purpose of the monologue going forward, the plan, but show me how you put that plan in action and not by actually just talking it out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's my only, that was my thing. Like, Oh, that's kind of, dang, I wish they didn't do that. But but I like how they used it for that because it's like that is what people need to hear to snap out of it, you know? Like that is I think that that moment reminded women of we are extraordinary. Mhm. Like we're so powerful in the things that we do even if we don't feel it, even if our kids hate us, even if, you know, our ideas don't get picked up, even if for sure, whatever. And it's just like, we are, and I can go into in a little bit. Um, I'll let you finish your thought, but I can go into like why I found it so impactful. Oh, for sure. No, I think, and I agree with you. I think we need to hear that I, just from a, and this is not a, um, consumer, right? Hold on. I got to get this dog. Y'all well, I, before I say, all right, dogs is taken care of. Let's get back into it. This is not from a, I thought it was corny standpoint. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm saying as an aspiring uh, filmmaker, could you have cinematically told that story in different ways after you gave the monologue? Yeah. That's all I'm trying to say. So in real life, sure, you're going to have to go over and over and over and keep saying that. That's why we have motivational speakers. That's why we have TED Talks you hear a thousand times and stuff like that. Uh, But cinematically I want to hear the story in the context of the the, the magical moment, which it was. And right. then now we get the story in different ways from here on out, different visual ways to tell the story without actually saying the story. Yeah. Um, but that's not, when I say small tech, this is me nitpicking. Yeah. This wasn't a, that wasn't an ick that didn't turn me off. If I had to find something that I was like, eh, that's what I'm trying <laughs> to find. Right. Like, but the rest of the movie was just so great. I love that. I was directed by a tried and true uh, female director. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I love that. Shout out Greta. Yeah, shout out Greta. Um, I love that there were, if you're a man, I believe you should watch this movie because there's so many undertones and lessons that you can learn as a man. Yeah, like the patriarchy isn't about horses. <laughs> <laughs> or your Mojo Dojo uh, Casa House. <laughs> you know what else I loved? What? I loved that... The main focal point was in her, you know, like the human tether wasn't a little girl, but it was a grown woman. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because um, it was cool to see women have a moment for themselves. It was like a childlike moment, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't like a Disney girl. Right. Right. So we always, we've all seen the Disney girls who they love Minnie and all the Disney characters and they go to... Disney World and all the Disney parks 40 times a year, mm-hmm. right? And we know that there's a stigma attached to that when it comes to women. Yeah. I hate that because 
I know that for me, I'm going to be, I, what do I call myself all the time? I always say I'm a grown-ass kid. Mm -hmm. I will forever be a grown-ass kid. I think that's important to life. And it's important for our lives. We never lose the kid in us so that we can stay young, stay healthy, and stay thriving in our creations and mm -hmm. creativity. Obviously, and of course I'm not a woman, so I don't know this, so you can speak to this. But from my perspective, obviously, it seems like there's, that's not the same for women. That women hit a certain age and they really let go of like the things that made them happy as a kid. And that, I hate that. That sucks to be a part of. That sucks to watch. It's like you get to see women's inner child die. And I hate that for them. Yes. And I feel like that's because then all of the weight that was on our mom's shoulders gets transferred onto our shoulders. And now it's our turn to step up and make sure that things are running properly. I wonder, I, I don't have the answers and I wish I did because I would uh, wave like a magic wand. You know, this is part of the reason why I even want to have a daughter, right? Is that like, how can I put my own influence into the world of, uh, into the, into the world of women, right? And change some of those social constructs because I enjoy seeing stuff like this. I love seeing, if you're a woman, you don't have to just read books. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you play with Barbies and you still enjoy Barbies and stuff like that, dive into that. Well, I don't even think it was like her playing with them like on her own. No, you know, no, it was sure. like her sure. having a moment with her daughter. Right. But the connection to the dog, because she still, well, I don't know, she might have been playing with them. That's why she was drawing them, right? So we in the visions we saw that Barbie thought that it was the the, the little girl, mm -hmm. and we found out that it wasn't the little girl. Everything the the the, the memories were the mom's memories, not the yeah. little girl's memories. Yeah. So I don't know. I just thought it was a cool allegory for like not losing your inner child, right? You know, and keeping that light alive. Yeah. Letting that be something that drives you forward, because for men we get it all the time. I mean, there's there's a new superhero movie out every week. Nobody's going to look at me crazy for playing with G.I. Joes or collecting them right. or reading comic books or playing video games. You know, none of the childish things that men do, we're getting looked sideways at unless it's like... By women. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, it's like, yeah, we still going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and the industry is going to put money behind it and everything else. Uh, and that's not to say that there aren't men... And most men who are still doing what they need to be doing, who are good men, who are holding down their household financially, being a great father, being a great husband, being a, being a great partner. But they still get to indulge in their child, their childhood memories, likes and aspirations. And it was kind of just like depressing during that monologue. I think it all just hit me like, damn, our women don't get to like have fun. Yeah. That shit is depressing. Yeah, and I think that even, and I'll just speak like specifically from my experiences, even as a child, I had to grow up so fast. One, because I was in a split household, but even before that, like staying with my granny and I had younger cousins, even older cousins who like we would cook for and it would be me and my granny and it'd be like, all right, get up. You got to come help me cook. Mm -hmm. And I'm cooking for people that are older than me. I'm cooking meals for people that are older than me. I'm fixing 
cereal for children who are a year younger than me. Like they could, if I can do it, you can do it, you know, but it was just like the responsibility that I, and boy cousins. Right. You know? So you grew up kind of what you, I wouldn't say quintessential, but there's some tomboy quote unquote, like undertones for you. That, but also just like a a woman's role. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're quote unquote. Yeah. Um, you trying to nurture them. Exactly. And so, I feel like even then I was like, I just had to grow up so fast and care for everyone around me and make sure that everyone around me was good. And I think that that's something that women face a lot, especially if you are like the eldest sibling, mm-hmm. um, especially the eldest daughter, or if you, even if you're like the only daughter, I feel like that is a role that we are taught because we're taught from a young age that women are more responsible, right? Well, yeah, I can trust you. I can't faster, trust. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like boys will be boys. Men are just kind of stupid. We mature faster because we are expected to mature faster. Yeah. We don't get the luxury of having someone else do it for us. Mm. And I think that that's why we lose those childhood ways and the things that we enjoy as a child because not only that but you look at here's something that I struggled with is when Jojo Siwa was really popular Mm -hmm. and she was like 14 but still wearing like pigtails and all the bright colors and people were like isn't she a little old to be acting like that right and I was like I wasn't into her. I was already in college at that point. So I didn't really even know what she did besides dance. And she was like a personality on YouTube, but I was like, she is still a child. Like Mm. we are so quick to have our people, like have our women grow up that it's like, even if we think she's too old for that, she is still a child, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And I just think that it's funny hearing you say that you hate that. But it's like, from a woman's perspective, it's like, imagine how we feel, you know? Well, uh, yeah. And I don't want to get into like the oppression Olympics. I never do. You know what I'm saying? But I I, I recognize that. And it's just, I hate that. I don't hate that for, I just hate it for you all because I do imagine how you feel. Like, I could imagine me not being able to dive into the things that really, because most of the things, I would say most of the things that I enjoy, people would say are like, you know, you do that when you're a kid and you kind of grow up, right? I get excited for a Hogwarts release so I can play that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I can imagine not being able to, and I feel like there was a time, and this is not me being squandered. I mean, my PlayStation was just bugged out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I know that the person that I was when my PlayStation was messed up and I wasn't really playing games versus the person that I am now, I'm much happier now. Yeah. Like, I get to indulge in that. And it's it's peaceful. (laughs) I get to connect with my friends. It's There's community there. There's fun there. It's connecting back to my nostalgia. And there's something very interesting mentally that happens when you have joy in your nostalgia in your childhood and stuff like that 
I think that's why Barbie was so big. That's what I'm saying. Because Be- it was all of our, like, it was ev- yeah. everyone had Barbies. I, but I didn't. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I knew that it was such a Girls. huge. But that's what I'm saying. That's why I love. That's why I was like, it was so cool to see. It was people just fucking dressing up in pink just to do it. Yeah. They might have never wore pink in their entire life. Right. That's just cool to me. Yeah. I love that. I love that for uh, a day, maybe just four hours, you felt connected to a community yeah. that maybe you have never felt connected to before. Yeah. There was a moment for women who have been connected to the Barbie brand to go and connect with other women who live this same somewhat life or experience. I think that's why it was so powerful and why everyone took that monologue to heart is because it's what we have all felt and it's what we have all been told to feel. And it's like, wow, we are all living this experience. And I think that that's, that's why at the end of the movie, I was like, I just, I love being a woman because we have all like experienced this, but we are so resilient, you know? And like, we truly do have a gift that no one can take from us. Which I liken to like how I feel about being black and how proud exactly. I am for uh, Exactly. And it's like we all <clears throat> have this, this, we've all been through this. Like we've all felt this at some point, even if you're not a feminist, even if you're not like whatever, you know, mm. it's like at some point you have felt this. At some point you have felt like you were not thin enough or that you are a mother and you're doing everything for your child and your child seems to hate you. And it's like, I give everything to my family and it feels like it's not enough or it feels like I'm being taken for granted or like at work, I can't seem to get ahead. And it's just, I feel like everyone has been in that spot. And actually at my work, we have a team's channel. So we have a, where I work, we have a, um, like a focus group mm. for women at the firm. And we've done things like maternity leave talks where we all talk about, um, they've done panels about like maternity leave, things to, you know, look forward to all that stuff. Um, but they put in there today, the monologue and asked people what their thoughts on it were. And all of the responses were just like super interesting to read how, everyone felt moved by that specific part of the movie. You yeah, know, crazy. I mean, they did a great job and I think that it was a perfect timing too, because if you would have dropped it at the beginning, if you'd have dropped it even at the end, it just didn't hit. It hit that moment because it was a special moment. We were at the journey. We were at her journey, mm-hmm. the pinnacle of her journey, the pinnacle at, of, um, of Barbie's journey. Um, we were at the pinnacle of like everybody's journey. And it seemed as if there was no more, there was nothing, right? And her monologue was just about existing. It wasn't about being more than yeah. anything else. You don't have to be a doctor to be a great woman. Mm-hmm. You existing as a woman makes you great already. Mm-hmm. If we got that at any other point in the movie, it don't hit the same. Right. So It is different. Exactly. I rock with it. I loved it. I mean, and this is... I don't think it's crazy. Here's the other thing. This is a vulnerable spot for me real quick. So I'll be honest about this. There was a moment in the film 
That ain't a lot. It made me feel uneasy. What do you mean? As a man, it made me feel uneasy when they were like talking shit about men and how bad women feel and this, that, and the third. And I was like, the the thing about me feeling uncomfortable right now is because even though I am a black male, I'm still benefiting from the patriarchy, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like being, um, it was like a mirror being like held up to me, showing, you know what I'm saying? I was, it was revealing to myself. Now, I'm educated enough and I want to be a better human and a better man, a better husband, a better friend, that I recognize that this made me feel uncomfortable. And the reason why it's making me feel uncomfortable is because I'm still benefiting and I can do more and I could do better. Mm-hmm. That's why I think there's more men should go see this movie, because I think somehow they did a great enough job to make you feel uneasy enough to start to question why you feel uneasy. Mm-hmm. Sure, there will be men who go see this. Who are like that uneasy feeling they're going to uh, perceive as this is just a man bashing movie. Yeah. Versus how they do Mattel in the movie is how I felt sometimes, right? They made fun of Mattel a lot in mm-hmm. that movie. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure for if you're if you are Mattel, that's a little uneasy to like accept, but the or to to see. But the cool part is that Mattel greenlit it. Yeah. They accepted it. They knew that it was part of their flaws and it needed to be something that was spotlit. Yeah. That's how I feel like we, that's the stuff that we need to do as far as men going forward. We're never, ever going to be able to make up a tone for the the culture that we've built for women. Sure. Right? That's just, I don't think it's going to happen in America. We can't make up for it. There are steps that we can do to make it better and to accept what we what our role is and how we can change. And I like also that that was the message at the end of the movie. Was it, it's not about men ruling the world. It's not about the patriarchy. It's not about the matriarchy. It's about how we can both work together. Exactly. And how we all have a role. Yes. Yeah. And how we how, how can we come to the, the table to work together to create uh, a Ken land and Barbie land for everybody? And of course, we're being binary, but I'm speaking. How can we create this utopia for everybody here? Right. Like, you're just Ken. You're not... You, you, you know, you're, you're not all of these things that you think make you who you are. Yeah. You're not Barbie's kin. You're not. Yes. You're not attached to nothing. You're not. You don't just beach. You're so much more than that. You're an individual. I just beach. Yes. And it makes you so unique. And all the other kins were like, wait, I'm kin. And what they're saying is, yes, we are kins, but we're not kins. We're kin. We can all have our individuality while still holding the same uh, group around males. You know what I'm saying? But we're individuals and we can come together as individuals and move forward a purpose. So I just enjoyed it. I think it was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. I loved the comedy and it was funny. The comedy was funny. It was like perfectly placed. Also weird Barbie. Love. Because yeah, we all Barbie had a weird worse. Barbie. Yeah. We all try to cut Barbie's hair. Yeah, you got to experiment. You know, yeah. like, you know, you're doing your thing. I ain't doing with Barbies, but I did it with other, what they used to call them, action figures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but them things were dolls. <laughs> <laughs> Men dolls. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I like. But I'm sure there will be people out there like, nah, I'm good on that. But I enjoyed that. And then we flipped the script. And then we went dark. We went very <laughs> dark. We went to go see Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. And let me tell you. It was good. I don't think Christopher Nolan has put out a better piece of art. And that's saying a lot. Really? I, the more I think about the movie. You think movie, it was better than the Dark Knight trilogy? Yes. 
That's saying a lot. Yes. Let me tell you why. Yeah, please. The Dark Knight had the um, the luxury of being a story that was art that, that was, was already, already told. Yeah. So, and I'm not told specifically, but I mean it was, but in the comics, but people know Batman. They know Bane. They know. I mean, Killian Murphy was um, Scarecrow. And, Scarecrow in the first one. They know all of these stories because we've seen them in comics and we've seen them before. So we know the Joker, of course. He's a huge villain that most people know. That's not to say that he didn't get great performances and they're not great movies. That's what I'm trying to say. They're fantastic. They're still, it's the Dark Knight trilogy is still my favorite trilogy of films. Mm-hmm. Second is Rush Hour. <laughs> but um, no, this was cinematically a masterpiece. Yeah. The cinematography was just incredible. It was incredible. It was star packed and acted incredible. Much like Barbie was packed with stars. Incredible acting. Yeah. Oppenheimer was packed with stars. Incredible acting and incredible makeup. Just like Barbie. <laughs> yes. Incredible sets. Just like Barbie. Mm-hmm. The writing was insanely amazing, but of course it was just also based off of a book. Uh, so it was just um, translated into a screenplay. But man, 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 man. I just don't think it gets better. That ending scene is just by far the best ending scene of any Christopher Nolan film. Yeah. With him and Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein dropped. Gems. Just, it still blows my mind. Like I woke up and I was like, yo, how profound was what he was telling Oppenheimer? And of course, it was an allegory for everything. Is that like they hate you now, and in the end, what's going to happen is they're going to love you, but the love is not actually for them. It's their way of of atoning themselves. Yeah. Uh, absolving themselves. Not atoning themselves. Yeah, it's yeah. their way of absolving themselves. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with this massive hole, and it's not even going to feel good. You know what I'm saying? You go shake the hands, you go kiss the baby, but you know that it's not for you. Mm-hmm. It's for them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, y'all, if you don't know what Oppenheimer is, it's a biopic or biopic, however you want to say it, of Robert Oppenheimer, who is said to be the father of the atom bomb. Now, the reason why I put emphasis on the biopic is because this was not a documentary. Right. So for everybody who was like, I'm not going to watch it. There wasn't any minorities. They didn't tell the indigenous uh, people's stories. They didn't tell the stories of Japanese government, which I don't know why you would want to see that part, but um, it wasn't about that. Do I think that there's opportunity to go a little bit deeper into the story about Los Alamos and that testing site? Mm-hmm. Yes. There's opportunity there. Somebody's going to do that documentary. Right. Do it. And when that documentary comes out, please tell us more about another perspective of Oppenheimer. Uh, but this was not about that. It was about Oppenheimer and his moral dilemma and his moral finish. And it was incredible. Three hours. <laughs> three hours. But you know. But incredible. It really didn't. Feel like three hours? Feel like three hours. Like there was a part where I did get tired. But again, we had been o'clock. out all day. Yeah, That's what I was thinking. We probably saw it. <laughs> At a time that wasn't really, I would actually conducive. like to go see it again in IMAX this time. Yeah, we'll go see it in our IMAX because we can actually see it on the seventy millimeter like we're supposed to. Yeah. Um, 
and we won't sit in the front row. <laughs> that might be another week or so, but the sound design, this might've been one of the best scored movies I've ever heard either. Yeah. I've heard that a lot from people too. It might be one of the best scored movies. And I there's things that I was picking up on. I don't think most people are picking up on. Like, okay. So I don't know what the term is for this. Even if there is a term, sometimes the music would be, um, syncopated is not the word transpose maybe is not even the word but like in time signature so there's a lot of like plucks and stuff that are going on mm-hmm. boom 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 and typically in movies you'll hear them go let's start like that and then as things pace up more they get faster they get faster and faster to make your heart rate right and like change the pace of the thing but it did that in a way that was really weird where the the pads kind of got louder so the swells got louder mm-hmm. But the rhythmic beat changed and sometimes slowed down. So we go boom, 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 boom. Then we go boom, 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 boom. And then we go boom, boom, boom. Like it was just, it almost sounded like, and I may be wrong here, but it almost sounded like a Geiger counter. Like the clicks you would hear on a Geiger counter. Mm. So a Geiger counter is what you would use to see how much radiation is something. And if you point it closer towards the radiation, it goes, it gets louder. You point it away, it gets softer. Mm-hmm. You point it, it gets loud. So it, that's how the score felt to me. Like it did that throughout the movie, which is wild. If that's a creative decision. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. You I didn't catch none of that. I don't remember any of the music. You don't remember them? Like it was loud as fuck. Yeah. That shit was tough. I remember that, but that's about it. <laughs> Man. Okay. That moment was tough. The scene where they actually tested the bomb and it went silent for like 30 seconds. Yes. But then you heard, oh my God. That incredible. was so good. Because the whole time, if you know science, you know light moves faster than sound. So you're watching so you the know explosion, the yeah. but you know the sound is coming. And it's like dead silent. You could hear a pin drop. And then all of a sudden the walls Boom, are shaking. Shaking, your seat's shaking. I saw an article come out that said that um, some of the theaters that were showing Barbie and Oppenheimer right beside each other in the theater watching Barbie, people could hear the explosion. It's so loud. Yeah. But that's why they did it. The mix was so loud for the music because it was supposed to be very disorienting. Mm-hmm. And they, ugh, it was just great. I can literally break down uh, scene for scene how fantastic this movie was. So basically, they gave you the movie in two differing perspectives. Yeah. So whenever they gave, they talk about Oppenheimer from somebody else's perspective, it was in black and white. That that mainly happened to be Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Which, by the way. a fantastic performance. Robert Downey Jr., if he doesn't win something. Like some sort of supporting actor or something. Yes, I will be shocked. Also, makeup, incredible. It took me like at least five minutes to realize that I was staring at Robert Downey Jr. And the only reason I knew it was him was because of his voice. And I was like, wait, is that Robert Downey Jr.? I knew his mannerisms, his, I think he played Iron Man so long that it's going to be tough for him to get rid of some of the the mannerisms he used in Iron Man. Yeah. Um, but you can kind of tell it was him, but like yeah. the mannerism definitely sold on him. He did an he did incredible fantastic. job. Florence Pugh did fantastic. Emily Blunt did fantastic. Emily Blunt did fantastic. Um, I mean, Matt Damon did fantastic. Yeah. Killian Murphy did fantastic. You know, he lost weight for this role. Of course he did. Like, cause at, at first, you know, they show him naked. I was like, he's a little scrawny thing, ain't he? Uh-huh. But then 
I saw, yeah, I read yeah. somewhere that he lost. And like, he was in, um, they said he didn't eat or smile. <laughs> That's what they said. Because well, he was in character for He the was whole in time. character the whole time, yeah. Which I know a lot of people do. Like, when Lady Gaga played um, House of Gucci, mm-hmm. she, like, didn't, the whole time they were recording, she was. Yeah, method acting. I can't yeah. do it. I, I wouldn't know if I could. The hard part about it when it comes to method acting like that is that some people it's hard to get out of the character which is why well yeah they use him as being like the yeah the poster child for like what not to do yeah but yes especially some roles but when you're really trying to embody somebody when you're doing a biopic i feel like it's the best way to go you have to become this person this person give this their story Yeah, yeah and tell their story so just an incredible film i also think that um I really think there was an undertone of his his him being Jewish that is probably going to get swept under the rug. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, if we're talking just about the movie, now if we get into historical facts, I don't know, I haven't read the book, I don't know much about Oppenheimer, but in the movie, his entire moral dilemma is based on the fact that he believes that he does not have a choice as a Jew to making this bomb. Yeah. So people are out there like, oh, why would you make this bomb? Da 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 da. The the when he was on the train car and he was telling his friend or whatever, why I don't want to be a part of this. Why would you do this? And he said, I don't know what the Americans will do. If I can trust the Americans, I don't know what they'll do with this with this weapon. But I do know what the Germans will do. So he like, I gotta, I gotta make it before they make it. Because mm-hmm. if they make it, our people is out of there. Right. Which they were going to if we because they were showing how they're like they were already learning things scientifically, physics, like physics wise that we had not cracked yet. Yeah, for sure. But they were a little bit behind. And he said the reason why he said that we were behind is anti-Semitism. And he was like explaining me. And he was like, well, basically, Hitler thinks that uh, quantum physics is is Jewish science. Mm hmm. So they're not going to fund right. this science, or at least we're getting funded. So we're going to have the research. We're going to have the best researchers over here. We should have a head start on them. Uh, so maybe we should be able to finish it first. But it was I. I struggle to really be able to break this down in a way that people need to see this or need to get it. But I can tell you like my or like feels and why I love it as like a center file. Yeah, tell me. Also, tell me if you had a favorite scene. A favorite scene? Okay, this is very wild. The scene where she and she being Florence Pugh is in the hearing room, basically riding (laughs) Oppenheimer, fully naked, while Oppenheimer's wife is watching, was a wild but I think very powerful way to show the wife's feeling. How crazy is this, right? Because I've never seen this happen before, right, in a film, I yeah. guess. How do you portray... We all know that being cheated on leaves you with a, a gaping hole, right? Mm-hmm. This feeling that you really can't quantify, but you feel naked, especially if people know your business. Mm-hmm. Because what you see is... Every the way that she looked at Florence and the way that Florence looked at her, 
is how those two women are now believe that they are seen, mm-hmm. right? That's how everybody sees this. Oppenheimer's telling about his affair, and basically all the men in the room and everybody is is visualizing what happened. Because mm-hmm. that's what happens. Now you are the whore, you're the thought, you're the slut, whatever you may be, and that's how all we see you as. Mm-hmm. So to have that going on in that room, I think she was like the only person naked, or maybe Oppenheimer was too, and they're like catching up. It was just a crazy way of... I would have never thought to do that, and I probably wouldn't have had the, you know what, to actually put it on the screen. Yeah. Wild scene. Very wild. My favorite, though, it probably had to be... That's tough. And I don't want to just say the explosion because it's easy pickings. Mm-hmm. You know what it was? There was two of my favorite scenes. Emily Blunt going off on them in the... Uh, that was a really yeah, good scene. In the hearing. Fire. She ate them up. And then the guy going off on Robert Downey Jr. When Robert Downey Jr. Um, character basically got denied the cabinet seat and he got played. And he goes, and it led up to the final scene. Robert Downey Jr. was so consumed by himself, his character was so consumed by himself that he kept saying, oh, Oppenheimer's turned them against me. They've turned them against me. I knew that from the day that I saw him talking to Albert Einstein. Albert wouldn't even look up at me. He must have said something at that pond. And then God was like, have you ever thought, or are you just so vain that they weren't ever even talking about you? They were talking about something much more important. Much more important. And guess what they were talking about? Something much more important. And it leads right into that scene. We finally get to see Albert what Albert I- Einstein what, what said. Albert Einstein and what that conversation was. I also enjoyed seeing <laughs> the ending being the beginning. So I don't know if you remember this, mm-hmm. but the beginning we saw the puddles, the raindrops hitting the puddles, mm-hmm. and it looked like the world was kind of just getting atom bombs dropped on it, right? Right. And then at the end, we're back in the scene. So this is where the scene actually starts. So the the beginning becomes the end, and the end becomes the beginning. Yeah. I think that was good. Also, um, <clears throat> I did see that someone pointed out that there was a, I sent it to you on Instagram, that there was like a flaw. The American flags? Yeah. Of course. Of course. They, you can't get everything right. Someone yeah. someone commented and said, as much of a perfectionist is, as much of a perfectionist that, that Christopher, Christopher Nolan, Nolan is, is. I'm surprised he missed it. He will never let himself live this day. No, he won't. It will eat up. It, matter of fact, he might actually, in the end, this is how bad of a perfectionist he is. In the end, he might actually say he hates this movie. Because of that one because part? Because of that one part. Basically, during the time, the flag was wrong. So, <laughs> and they were out there waving flags after they had dropped the uh, atomic bombs on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And... I actually like that scene too. So Oppenheimer walks in. Oh, the sound design around the feet stomping. That was cool too. Cause remember that like they played it before and you hear the people stomping their feet Yeah. and like cheering for him. And then it just cut off. And then finally we get to the gym and he's in the gym kind of giving his victory speech, right? The bomb was a success and it went off. And this is kind of crazy. Like what does success mean? Because in this moment he's having his real dilemma, mm-hmm. which is that he made a bomb. Um, <laughs> And he thought he did it with the greatest of intentions in his mind. Right. And I think this is the story of Oppenheimer. This was what do you learn from Oppenheimer is that you can do something with the greatest of intentions and it have the most nefarious uh, impact. 
that's the story of Oppenheimer. If I had to shorten it up, you can do something with the best of intentions and it's going to have the, it may have the worst impact. Right. And you have to live with that. That's the hardest thing to live with. And I think that what I think was so important about this movie is that there are so many people who, I feel like that really split people, right? Because there Mm -hmm. were people who were saying that it had to be done because if it didn't, we were going to be left behind and we could have been nuked. If it... We didn't have to like... You talking about like dropping the bombs? We had the nukes. We didn't have to drop them. Right, right, right. Exactly. But then you have people that are like, yeah, we did. But then you have people who are like, no, we didn't. And you just killed innocent people. And I think that it was really important to see how... When he went into Truman's office. Truman's office. And Truman called him a little bitch. Yes. That happened in real life. Kick him out of the office. I'm sure he did. And yeah. I've seen videos of Truman laughing about it. Mm-hmm. And like laughing about killing all of these innocent people. And he was like, no one remembers who m- made it. Or Everybody like, just remembers they don't, who, call, who made the call. Who dropped it. Yeah. Right. And that was obviously the president's call to drop the bomb. And I think that it was super important for people to, I I think that's a, a very big point in a lot of things in life, right? Is mm-hmm. like, I may have given you the resources, but I didn't make that choice. You know? Yeah. But I mean, you gotta, you still feel but you for still like, have to live with, with the consequences, the consequences because consequences like, of, I gave you the gun and you kill somebody. If I never gave right. you the gun, would you have killed them? Right. So of course you say, I'm the one with blood on my hands. Like, yeah, well, I feel like I had blood on my hands too. Right. Because if I'd have never gave you the tool, you would have never used you it. You would have never used it. Fast. So of course he feels terrible. And basically the, the entire dilemma is that now the government wants to make him make, wants him to make a hydrogen bomb, mm-hmm. which is way worse than the atom bomb. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, I'm not doing that. So the entire movie really is just set on if he's going to get his security clearance back, and he doesn't. And it was another kind of tale of the U.S. government. We're going to use you, and they said it. This was a foreshadow. The government's going to use you until they don't want to use you. Mm -hmm. And then you're out of there. And not only are they going to get you up out of there, they're going to tarnish your name, Mm -hmm. and you may end up in a ditch or disappear. We know this. Yep. It hasn't changed. It was the same back then. They even made a kind of joke about it. The guy quit, and uh, Oppenheimer goes, well, what are we going to do about compartmentalizing? Like, he knows a lot of information. And Matt Damon's character goes, oh, we're going to kill him. And there's just like a pause. And he goes, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Yeah, no, but you're you not weren't. joking. That man's going to end up in that New Mexico desert. Yeah, you weren't joking. Because y'all treated him wrong, he left. And here's just a, a, a scientist who came was trying to help y'all out, and you, you don't need his help no more, so you, what you going to do? You're going to throw him to the side. That's what happened with Oppenheimer. They also threw in a little, give it a, a week, and the JFK conspiracy is about to come out. Yeah. Because they threw JFK in the movie. They did. They said that JFK was the one of the dissenting votes as, as to why Obuddy didn't get into the cabinet. So... I'm sure that the here comes the the theories about JFK. Oh, I'm sure. And why is he always involved in everything? Get that out of the way. You know what I'm saying? Goodness gracious. That man is involved. But the, the, the movie itself was just, you, you have to go see it and you have to see it in theaters. I can't, unless you have like a really good home theater that has surround sound with the bass and everything else, you're going to have to crank that sound up. Mm-hmm. If you're in an apartment, you're not going to be able to watch it the way you should. 
the sound is as important as the picture in this film. Although I can't wait for it to come to um, streaming or something so I can watch it with subtitles. Oh, yes. But he's notorious for that, too, because Christopher Nolan does not believe that dialogue is, like, important. But there was a lot. I know, but he doesn't (laughs) think it's important. That's, like, he says that a thousand times. He's like, the dialogue's not important. What's important is that you see and hear what you're supposed to hear. Right. And feel how we're supposed to feel. So he's very intentional about that that kind of got him a little hot water in tenant because like people can hear nothing in tenant yeah um this one i feel like you can still hear more but as any timepiece, right so we're not used to the pacing how they used to talk back then we're not yeah. used to the lingo of how they used to talk back then so when you're watching a period piece i think it's important for the dialogue volume to be mixed very well because if not then we need the, the captions because we don't necessarily know mm-hmm. they talk different back then choppy like right. saying a lot without saying a and lot. And their lexicon was different. So we just don't like, we don't talk like how they talk. We don't use the same words. They wasn't saying ain't, and you know what I'm saying? Stuff right. like that. The jargon was not the same. Right. So I agree, but that's just, that's his creative, you know, input is that he doesn't feel like dialogue is that important. Right. Well, he made it dialogue heavy. I'll tell you <laughs> he that. did. Oh boy. But he's just, he just knows how to tell a story. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I can't tell you how incredible of a director that he is at the end when it's all said and done at the rate he's going, it has been going. He's going to be on the Mount Rushmore of directors. Yeah. With the Scorsese's with the Alfred Hitchcock's with the Steven Spielberg's. He's going to be up there. Mm hmm. He's like, uh, you know, when a Christopher Nolan come a movie come out, that muffin is slap. Unless it's Tenet. Like, I mean, yeah, but t- uh, pe- people just feel that way because they couldn't hear nothing. Yeah. But like, let me just go through his movies, man, because they they fire. Dunkirk. They fire, and Dunkirk. I don't feel like I had a lot of. I mean, it was about the. Uh, it was about Dunkirk, so it wasn't a lot. Of, it wasn't a lot of dialogue at all, but the action was crazy. All right, here we go. I'm not going to start with Christopher Nolan's following because probably y'all haven't seen that. But Memento, Fire. Insomnia, Fire. And then, of course, we got the Batman trilogy. We got the Prestige, Fire. Inception, Fire. Interstellar, which you watched the other day somewhat, Mm -hmm. in and out. But Interstellar, Fire. A lot of classic memes from that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Dunkirk, Tenet, and now Oppenheimer. It's just, he is on a roll. You can bet on Christopher Nolan to give you something special. And everybody that ever talks about him that's worked with him, they always talk about like how great the films are that you know what I'm saying, work on the film. Yeah. They're always like, it's just a it's just a treat to watch him work. It's a movie that feels like a movie. It's just Yes. Who said that? I don't know. Who said that? Harry Styles. Uh, <laughs> sometimes they don't though, you know what I'm saying? They'd be feeling too digital and it'd just be uh, something yeah. something about it, shooting it right. Anyway, if we if I couldn't tell you no more about Oppenheimer or Barbie, all this hour was meant to tell you is that you need to go see go these films. Go watch it. Please, spend your little money. Ask somebody for a free ticket. I think I got a couple left, so if you want to text me, I might give you two to go see. Take somebody with you. Go see these films. Now, if you are able to see it in one of the 14, Oppenheimer, one of the 14 uh, or 16 theaters you can that have the true IMAX, do that. 
Mm-hmm. So in Texas, if you're in Dallas or San Antonio, though I did hear the San Antonio one, the bowl. I saw that too. Uh, went out. Terrible weekend for yes. that. Um, but shout out to Dallas. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure they had a good showing, um, which is our home one. But speaking of, this will probably be our last episode for a couple of weeks because we're moving. We're moving. So excited to give you an episode from the new place but we got a lot of stuff going on in the month of august and while we are doing that here's what our charge is to you go see barbie go see oppenheimer go to the theaters there's not a lot of movies about to come out go to the theaters oh yeah that's a good point we are both really busy this month with work traveling for work Mm -hmm. and moving so yeah we probably won't be back until september yeah maybe i hope we get to squeeze a couple in maybe i'll uh have the opportunity to do one from Taos, New Mexico. I will. Since I want to be up there, I might slide by Los Alamos. You should. I might slide. You should. Tell my brother we going to slide. Yeah, I might pull up, get y'all some pictures and info from uh from the site itself. Yeah. Um, But other than that, thank y'all for staying around. We love y'all. Please go see these films. And let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. And when you get to the end of the Barbie film and you need to go to uh, the Oppenheimer film, it's going to ask you, do you want to see Oppenheimer and what you going to do? Press next. Press next. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Bye, y'all.